Amen. <clears throat> wow, people in this area, you got a, like a glow on you guys. I, it's like some kind of anointing. Woo! What is that? Yeah, what? Everybody moves over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, I, some of you may or may not know Sandy fell, and she fractured her wrist. She's in a cast. She's in a lot of pain. Um, but she has trained me well. So I'm able to help her, and I, I know how to cook, top ramen, and uh, no, and uh, I can certainly do laundry and other things, but thank you for all of you that responded with wanting to help. Um, we've got this. We've got a lot of family and stuff, so um, yeah, but just pray for her because she's one of those people that she's up out of the grave and nothing's going to hold her down. And, you know, she went through chemo. She went through terrible bout of breast cancer. And God just totally saved her from that. And er, even during that time, she was here working. She should have been resting, but that's not in her DNA. So be praying for her, okay? So, and praying that I can keep up with her, all right? I, I want to start, before I start anything, I want to talk about two things that are really important. And that is this coming Friday night... Night of Hope. Rebecca, do you want to add anything to that? Um, I mean, belt it out, sister. So, yes, I, I believe that um, many of us have kind of lost hope in maybe our family or our relationship with God or just if you turn on the news and all hope just gets sucked out of the room. So, I would just say bring people that are Yeah, and, and leading into this coming Friday night at 7 is tomorrow night, which is intercessory prayer, where we want to really pray into and contend for those that are struggling, those that have no hope, those that are trying to figure out life. They're right on the edge of the abyss, and they're looking for hope. And please, if you can come tomorrow night, 7 o'clock here, be here, and we're going to enter into a really powerful time of intercessory prayer mainly for Friday night. I really want to pray into this. We've been reaching out to a lot of other people, churches, and different groups, and, and people are excited, and it's exciting. It's stirring hope in their own hearts for their own tribes, which is cool. That's what we want. So the other thing I want to really do is, where's Matt Dalby? Matt, you want to stand for a moment, Matt? God's word says to show honor to whom honor is due. I appreciate this brother's heart. I appreciate what he brings. What he shared last Sunday was so powerful about forgiveness. Well done, my friend. Very well done. What we are trying to do is we're trying to get the logs out of the way. Clear the log jams. Clear the ditches in your hearts out so that the river of God is able to flow freely through you. And if you're dragging all this stuff with you that's encumbering you and keeping you down, you will struggle. You will fight. Oh, and you'll just be uh, to the point where you just want to take your football and go home. How many know that feeling? You're so tired of being whacked on and pushed by the enemy from so many different directions. You're like, I'm done. 
I'm just going to go home, sit, and watch the river go by. But as you heard in the song this morning, you got to come up out of the grave. And I see God bringing people up out of the grave. I'm so excited about that. I just want to do a quick review on where I was a couple weeks ago. I don't typically do a lot of review. If you want to listen to it, you can. Uh, go to the website and follow the prompts. But we've been talking about this year and vision for this year. And it's a season. It's a moment. It's a time that we're in. Ecclesiastes 3 says that there is a, in verses 1 through 3, there is a time and a reason, a place and for everything under the sun. There's a time to fight. There's a time to dance. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to plant. I mean, it hits it all. And what season are we in now? We're going to talk about that today. Our heart is like Matt was sharing. You'll hear me sharing. I want you guys to find your voice. I want you to be able to not only find your voice, but be able to stand up and say, this is what God is speaking. This is what God is saying in this moment, in this time, and in this place. And I'm telling you, our heart is we want to teach you and train you in spiritual warfare. The leadership in this church, that's what we want to do. We just don't want to talk about it. We want to show you how to fight, how to gain that skill set that's going to enable you to be the one who takes the sword and puts it in the right place and topples the world, especially the God of this world, Baal, comes tumbling down. The ancient ways... God's bringing us back to some of those. I'm excited about that. But a lot of the stuff we're seeing today is not God's heart. And it's time to stand. You know, I, I shared in, in my opening notes a few weeks ago about having lots of bravado doesn't mean that you're capable of doing anything. It doesn't. Uh, years ago, I was an apprentice meat cutter, and this guy came in the shop, and he wanted a job. And I remember... The meat manager at the time, his name was Homer Herman. You can't forget that name. <laughs> Homer Herman. He was a character, just like the name. He was a true character, a lot of fun. But he came in, and this guy wanted, he's, guy came in the back door. He says, hey, I'm a meat cutter. I need a job. I want to work. And Homer says, can you do? Can you do? Oh, I can do anything. And Homer's like, okay, we need help, man. We need help. So you're hired. Get your smock on. Get in the, so Homer goes out on the meat case, and I'm back there doing something. The guy goes, hey, kid. That's what they always called the apprentice. Hey, kid, how do you cut this chicken? <laughs> he had lots of bravado, but he had no training, had no clue. Homer came in. He's looking at this guy going. Finally, he walks up to him. And he says, really? <laughs> really? Hey, I admire your spunk and your spirit, but I don't want to see you cut your fingers off. Yeah. You're done. And he had to let him go. It's the same thing is true about, about believers it, it, who are really super zealous, but without any kind of spiritual training, you're really easy prey for the enemy. You can get caught up in arguments and get led astray when you're even talking to people of other faiths if you don't know what you're taught, if you're not grounded in the word. That's why the apostles taught their doctrine creed. It's called the Apostles' Creed, which really was the very words of Jesus. That's what they focused on. And if we have the words of Jesus in our heart, we'll have the truth. And that's what's going to set people free and keep us free as well. Amen? So I also wrote, it's sad but true, we're in this moment in history where it seems as if, at least as far as our lifespan, it seems as if the church is absorbing more darkness 
from the world, then she's giving off light to the world. And I'm watching a lot of believers come to this point where they're just hunkering down. They're afraid. They're tired. Now, honestly, a lot of us have never been here before. If you have, let me know because I need some tips. I think our lack of power and influence as a church, as a power, as a people, if, you really, if we're really honest, it has shrunk to disastrous levels. And what is frustrating, it seems as if we're losing this battle for all the wrong reasons. I mean, think about it. We have the best message. We have the best book that has the truth of all truths in it. We have the greatest power because the God of the universe is behind that power. But that's not how you and I look to the world. At best, at best, I think Christianity is being dismissed or slid over to the side like some kind of antique. We see the picture of the little white church that's abandoned out in the countryside. And that's what the world sees as a church today, as a movement, as a power, whatever once was, that's kind of where it's at today. That's what they see. Or at worst, they see us as some kind of virus that's got to be eradicated. There is so much opposition against people of faith today, it's unbelievable. How many know that? How many have felt that? How many have encountered that? Yeah, yeah. We talked about how did this all happen? That's a big, good question. How did it happen? And I really think, and I shared that, and this was my words, the pulpit is the culprit. And I think what's happened is modern preaching has become more and more persistently therapeutic, these feel-good messages and you have to ask yourself, how did, a, how did a movement that started in self-denial, pick up your cross and follow me, Romans 12, 1 and 2, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. How did it start as that movement of total self-denial, selling all you have, just going out and just serving God with all your heart and passion? It moved all the way into this moment where it's all about self-denial. I'm sorry, it's all about self-help. I got it backwards. It's all about self-help. It's moved from self-denial to self-help. It's all about feel-good messages, and everybody wants a feel-good message. In this moment, I'm telling you, you don't need a feel-good message, and I'm gonna explain why. So we talked about, is there any hope? Of course there's always hope in Jesus. We talked about the answer to that is two important steps. The first one is you have to admit that you're in a war. Most people don't like conflict. How many of you love to run to conflict? As everyone raises their hand, not. We don't like conflict, but we're called to it. We're called to stand in the gap. We're called to stand in the gap for those who cannot fight for themselves. Right? That's what we're called to do. I, I in my DNA, I'm a protector. And some of you are vicious protectors. I know, and I mean that in a good way. You will stand up and you will defend those that cannot defend themselves. But there's others, when that happens, you, you, you shrink back, you pull away, you turn, you go, and you get out of the flow, and you hide. It's time to come out of the cave. Secondly, we must become trained in spiritual warfare. And I wrote in here, right now the world does not need a bunch of believers who run around who must always feel the need to feel good. How many of you, honestly, who have been believers for a lot of years have had those moments where you didn't feel so good? But yet you knew you needed to keep putting one foot in front of the other. 
because you were trusting in God. You put your hope in something. Hey, that's a good word. You put your hope in something that you have not seen, and you're trusting it's going to be there when you get there, right? What we need today, I wrote, is we need believers who are trained for spiritual warfare. They have this fire in their belly, and they're ready to suit up and put on the armor of God. Amen? You know, Paul spent a great deal of his ministry, I think, defending his ministry. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 3. Second Corinthians 10. This is a great example of Paul defending his ministry, and he's talking about something that we are contending for today. Are you ready? I'm reading out of the Amplified. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare, you might want to circle that or underline our warfare, that's a huge pivotal point in this, are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons, the weapons, I'm going to paraphrase here, the weapons that God has placed in our hands are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Man. I have seen people who understand this, and I've seen people point at somebody. We were, we were street witnessing one time on G Street years ago, and this guy came out of a bar, and these sisters were with us, and this guy said something really lewd to one of the sisters, that, probably to both of them. And here, here come some other brothers. Before they got there, this one brother stood up, and he said, how dare you mock the daughters of the living God? He understood his authority, and this guy... He has a beer mug in his hand, and he's a huge man, and he just, he froze. And he's like frozen. His mouth stopped, and everybody inside, it was, it's the laughing clam now. I think it was called the pastime or something. People are inside with their faces against the glass going, ooh, how's this going to go? And he's frozen. And these sisters of the Lord, these sisters who knew who they were, looked at this man. They didn't curse him. They just said, I want to say dude. They didn't say dude. But they said, look. And they read off his email, his email, his mail. They read it. They knew that he had children at home. They knew that he had a family and a wife who loved him. And they're just going down the list. And why aren't you there? Why are you here? You need to be there. God loves you. And you know this. And the guy just tears are just coming down his face. And he's like, and he just turns right. And he walks around the corner, turns on 6th Street and disappears. Never saw him again. But that's, that's the kind of power that God wants us to move in. That's the kind of weapons that we carry. They didn't pull out pepper spray and mace the guy, then hold him down and preach Jesus to him. They didn't do that. I just remember Howard walking up going, how dare you mock the daughters of the living God? And then they came in behind and just swooped in and started reading the guy's mail. And the, it broke his heart. Man, that's who God has called us to be. So we need believers who are trained for that kind of warfare, spiritual warfare. We need believers who have a fire in their belly and they're ready to suit up with the armor of God. Again, we need that, we need that, we need that. (laughs) 
We are destroying, verse 5, we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself against the true knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought and every purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. There is so much going on here in this scripture. But verse 6, pay attention to verse 6. It says, being ready to punish every act of, of <clears throat> excuse me, disobedience when your own obedience as a church is complete. Huh. There's the O word again. Jesus said in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. You want to see healing? You want to see power? You want to see it come to the church? Then we need to obey what Jesus is saying. And when our obedience is complete, that's when the fire falls in powerful ways. This, this verses 3 through 6 is really one long, incredibly complicated Greek sentence. Begins in verse 3, ends in verse 6. In this passage, what Paul is doing is he's describing this, this spiritual war between him and these false teachers who have moved in among the Corinthians and they're preaching a false gospel. Does that sound familiar? A lot of churches out there now are propagating a false gospel. I believe they're creating these hybrid gospels that are going to fit every scenario. So everybody feels good. Everybody fe it's nothing but smoke and mirrors. It's diversion. It's distraction. Mara Marilla talks about right now so many people are being distracted. And it seems good, but it's like, squirrel, what? Squirrel, what? And we're losing focus. He, he in, this, in this passage here, Paul is really talking about, at the end of the day, the context here is, he's talking about a battlefield. And it, the battlefield really is the minds of the Corinthians themselves. And he's saying that the victory would be won or will be won when the Corinthians obey Christ and not, not follow the false teachers. Got quiet in here. Something else I see in this passage that I really want to expound on today, and that is we see power, we see strength, we see energy, we see might, we see force, whatever words you want to use. There's a lot going on here. First, in the might of the weapons themselves, they have the ability to, to overthrow and to destroy anything that man has made or created. The second thing is, is that their might is divinely powered by God himself, which means there is no empty on the, on the meter. There is no running out. It means unlimited power and source. Do you think God ever runs out of horsepower? Not on your life. Man. But the third thing, it says, as we lead or take every thought captive and purpose away, captive into the obedience of Christ. To me, this speaks of an really high level or, or we could say an astonishing uh, skill level where, where we have the ability to take these thoughts and bring them to a place and park them there. That takes skill. That's something you learn. You know, we talk, I'll be honest for a moment, we talk a good game when we start talking about the armor of God and how we put on the armor of God. How many have studied the armor of God? You could probably name off the seven pieces of the armor of God. We talk a good game. But, but there, is this, there is this place where I, I feel like I have to ask, how many of you honestly, honestly can say that your armor 
fits really, really well. Or how many of you can say, you know, I started into the fight, I got up, I got into the fight, but I realized I was missing something or something was loose and it was falling off and I had to run away to readjust it. Am I right? Yeah, it's true. We can talk a good game, but at the end of the day, it, it seems like when, when we're talking about moving the needle forward in terms of victory and, and, and the kingdom of God and, and advancing the kingdom of God, it seems as if there's something desperately missing. It, it seems as if when the fight starts, there's a lot of Christians, I think, that go, yeah, 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 and they're stepping back. And only a few people are standing up swinging for the fences. We're all called. We're all called to swing for the fences. We're all called to get into the fight. This isn't something that we fight by surrogate or proxy. It's not. We're all called to get into the battle. We're all called to lay it all down and to get fully engaged into the presence of God and have him use us any way he wants, right? I think we've all felt this in the church. How, how many of you feel like you're just not doing enough damage to the works of the enemy? How many feel that? You feel like, you feel like you're on this slope where you're trying to climb up in a slippery shale and you take 14 steps and you slide back 20. You ever feel that way? Have you ever felt really alone in this fight? Years ago, I had at A Street, it was a mission house my wife and I pastored, and I had these brothers around me that were always saying, I got your back, I got your six, I'm with you, I'm there for you, man, you ever need me, I'm there, so there. One night, late at night, there's a knock on the door, which wasn't unusual, but I open up the door and there's a light right above my head on the outside, and I step out, so I'm the only person in the light, and I knew there was other brothers, because I could hear them around me, and they're coming closer, and all of a sudden, the guy pulls out a gun and points it right at my face. You have never seen brothers run so fast and totally disappear when the gun came out. <clears throat> and I just remember thinking, oh, Jesus. And the guy's yelling and screaming. There was an altercation earlier where we had just, I'd gone out and say, hey, bro, can you just take it down the street? We don't need to hear this. And he got really offended. He wanted to shoot me. And I remember he has the gun right at my face, and he turns the gun like this, which I thought was kind of odd. I remember him turning it, and he pulls the trigger, and it clicked, and he jumped, flinched. Nothing happened. And right about then, this was all like, the camera's playing. Here comes this horizontal thing. I could see a f some flash silvery stuff and black, and just takes this guy out. Boom. Well, it was the cops. They had come, and officers were running around everywhere. They were looking for this guy. And I remember they took him to the ground, and I'm still standing there looking for my brothers, who said they'd never leave me, <laughs> who are a quarter mile away now. I'm standing there going, great, guys. Anyhow, they're gone, and I'm standing there. And the officer came up to me a little bit later, and he said, you know, that gun was loaded. He said, that first round, it, it just didn't fire. Well, I knew, it, I knew who controlled that. I knew that God had his hand in it. Was it not frightening? It was frightening. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, I was praising and thanking Jesus. Yeah. Of course, now all my other brothers come back. Hey, man, you know, wow, you really had that, dude. Like, Where'd you guys go? But there's those times 
when we're all alone. There, there is. But I'm telling you, there is times too when you're going to go in a situation where you will be alone. But you have to believe what God has placed in your hands. He has placed in you weapons that, are, that, that can overthrow and destroy anything around you. Any fortress that was created by evil, he will place those in your hands. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's not going to march you into something and then pull back, disappear, so you get taken out. That is not the God that we serve. So, <clears throat> I really want us to learn how to use our spiritual weapons because I think we're reaching a moment where we really need to understand how these weapons work. And I don't want to hear us just keep talking about them. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a family that's having a baby. They're, we're having a baby, we're having a baby. We're having, you keep hearing about the baby. When do we get to actually hold the baby? Well, there comes a day. That day's coming some of you, God is stirring in your hearts and you're moving from where you're at in this moment now to 2 Corinthians 10 where you're gonna understand the power and the might and the ability you're gonna have placed in your hands to swing with the armor of God and the weapons, weaponry of God to a way that's just gonna knock the enemy out and take down the strongholds, amen? One of the things I learned years ago when I took a course in counseling is that the first step to recovery is to understand the depth of your problem. And, and, if, and if we're going to, if we're gonna move forward into this, if we're gonna come to a place where we really can hang on to the armor of God, where it truly fits us, and we're not running with our belt falling down and breastplate bouncing around and our shoes falling off, where everything fits us right, we have to come to this place where we're gonna be brutally honest with ourselves. So finding your voice begins with just that, asking the Holy Spirit to go down the corridor of your heart and say, wow, wow. I, I think it's amazing, it's amazing how often the first steps to any victory, spiritual or otherwise, always seems to start with coming clean about our current heart condition. Where are you at in your heart? What's going on in your heart? Remember, last year we talked about no secrets, you think you, you got these little secrets. No one's going to know about this. Are you kidding me? Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on. So does God. You're just fooling yourself. So ask the Holy Spirit to go down the corridor of your heart and, and to, to look at those rooms that you've kept shut with signs that say, do not disturb. Well, you can walk by this one, Holy Spirit. I don't, you know, I got this one. I don't need you in here. Just keep on moving. It's all, you know, like check out door number seven down there. I'm telling you, you need to come to this place where you're going to brutally ask yourself, what is it I am willing to never do again from this day forward? And ask yourself also, what is it that I will never stop doing? You see, compromise is one of those things that is messing us up. That's right. It's time to clear our spirits of all compromise. Right. If not, I'm telling you, God will never give us his power and his might to the degree that we need it in this fight to fight against the present darkness. Mario Murillo calls it firepower. God will never give us the firepower that we need if we don't stop with the compromising. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. There's nothing worse than putting something that's loaded in somebody's hand and they don't know what they're doing. Right? Scary. Guys, this is not the first time in our history that Christians have been, uh, have reached this po painful point of, of opposition pressing against them. 
As believers, th this is the first time in my life I have felt the level and degree of opposition. I've never felt it like this before. And I'm talking in the, it, with other pastors I meet with and other vineyard leaders I've met with. We feel this in this moment. But this isn't the first time this has happened. This isn't the first time that this was not really a popular thing walking in the truth that we walk in. In the 20th century, man, there was some Christian heroes who decided to not give in to compromise. Each one of them found their voice, and at the right moment, they stood up. Yes, it cost them dearly. I have names like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You guys know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer was? Man, he was a famous German theologian. He saw, he saw when Hitler started to come into power, he saw everything going on, and he's preaching against it. He's pressing against the evil that's trying to come in, the tyranny that's trying to force. And you know what happened? It cost him his life. But he stood up, and he spoke out. You have Corey Ten Boom. Oh, amazing story, Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom, she violated German law by hiding Jews in her home, and it cost her her, her her life in the sense that she was caught, they were in prison, they went to concentration camp. Then you have Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee, I've probably read all of the books I think that he's written. He was persecuted for his faith. He was imprisoned by Chairman Mao, Mao in, um, and he spent the last 20 years of his life in prison, and he died there because he stood up. He stood up for what he saw was evil, and he said, that's enough, it stops now. You guys should read and study some of this history. It will, it will really get your heart. Each one of them had come to this point where they said, you know, maybe it was a point of denial where they said, you know, this can't be happening. And, and think about what's going on in the world around us today. Eh, maybe, maybe it's not as bad as we think, you know, but each one of them had to come to this place where they obeyed their, their conscience and the clarity of their conscience. They obeyed it. And they said, this can't happen on my watch. This is the right thing to do. I got to stand up. I know I'm going to be facing some rejection from others, but it's time for me to try to convince them that something evil is coming our way. And they did. And they became heroes. Today, we honor each. It's kind of ironic. We honor each of them as heroes today. But if they were alive today, I, I can't help but wonder how many Christians would reject them for their opposition. Think about that. Because of all the wokeness that has creeped into the church. Oh, don't say anything. You just need to sit down. Just warm the pew. That's all you need to do. Just show up, smile, throw your money in some bucket. Hey, all is good, man. When I was looking at that, I'm just thinking, man, you read their stories and you hear their heart cry. They were all in. There was no compromise. They'd crossed that bridge and they said, now's the time. They found their voice. They got up out of their grave. They stood tall and they got out and they fought. Again, 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, for the weapons of whose warfare? Our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. The most convincing words in this particular passage, verse 4, are the words, our warfare. 
I'm telling you, there is no hope for you to ever have mighty weapons placed into your hands until you say, this is my fight. This is my moment. This is my battle. This is my war. Got quiet in here. I think only those who come to that point where they admit, you know, there's a battle going on. And I'm a soldier of God. And I'm going to rise up and I'm going to take my place in his story. And, 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 and I, I, God, I'm all in. I'm yours. Use me any way you want. I think God's going to go, go put weapons in that person's hands. Go put them in there because they're ready. They're ready to, to use the mighty weapons that I want to, to, to place in their hands. And let me tell you, because this is where it gets really wonky. So many people I talk to today go, I don't want to fight. I don't want to engage. I, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to do. I, I just, I'm more comfortable to let somebody else fight for me. And I'm telling you, whether you like it or not, or whether you know it or not, the enemy, he's no longer outside the fence yelling at you. He's crawled over the fence. He's crawled into your yard. So this is your fight. This is your family's fight. This is our church's fight. It's our fight. It's our battle. It's our spiritual battle that we need to be engaged in. And only... (laughs) I thought you guys were falling asleep, but... And only those for a heart for battle are going to be considered. Or do you have a heart? Do you have a belly for fighting? Do you have a heart to get in the battle? You need to search your heart and say, God, use me. Not everybody's fighting on the front lines with there's people in other positions and supporting other people and doing other things. And if God has called you to be part of that support system, you go. But if God has called you to run to the front of the line and to swing your sword of truth with all that you've got, you need to do it. You need to do it. I love this. Turn with me to Psalms 11, verses 1 through 3. Psalms 11, verses 1 through 3. Here's David talking. David says, In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, Hey, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. Then David asked this burning question in verse 3. He says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? David is addressing his temptation here to run from his enemies. Now, whether, whether this suggestion comes from his advisors or his own fears, we're not quite sure. But somebody's speaking something to him. There are voices speaking to you right now saying, you don't need to get in this fight. It's not your fight. There are voices speaking to you that say, you're not qualified to fight. There are voices speaking to you saying all kinds of derogatory statements that are going to keep you from launching into what God has for you. How many have heard those voices? Yeah. So David's, he's wrestling with that. But here's, here's, here's his response. He tells them that the Lord provides his protection. 
In fact, if you look down at verse 4, he says, hey, because, I'm going to paraphrase like crazy, because God is still on the throne, and he sees it all. He knows what's going on, and tell you what, boys, he's ready to throw down some fiery coals. He's going to light your pants on fire. David knew his God. He knew who was in charge. But here's the question. If the foundations are destroyed, what do the righteous do? Who are the righteous? We are. So what do we do when we see the footings and the foundations of so much around us being shaken and fallen down? What do we do? We stand up and we build the wall. We stand up and we put on our armor. And we ask God to pour out his spirit on us and keep us safe and pour out his grace on our lives to empower us to do what he's called us to do, and that is to build walls, to build citadels, to build mighty fortresses that the enemy's arrows cannot penetrate. And we're called to do that in people's lives. That's what we're called to do. Friday night, I pray that that happens Friday night, that we have an epiphany of how important it is for us to be in a place where we surround the broken and the wounded and the down and the out and the addicted, and we love them into a healthier place. We build a wall around them so high that none of the enemy's darts could come in and, and penetrate so that they have a moment where they can catch their breath. They have a moment when the, when the dog at the door is just run off and they're able to go, and in that place, they're vulnerable to God. And he answers the cry of their heart and meets the depth of their cry. So I'm telling you, the righteous, that's us. I believe that we are the key to healing and restoration in our land today. It seems as if, as if in this moment we're holding an entire generation's future in our hands. Doesn't it? I think we all have this feeling, there's some, I need to be doing something, but something that'll work, but what, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Well, a while back, Matt preached a, ser- a sermon about seasons. It was powerful. So what time and what season are we in? It's important we understand what time and what season we're in. First Chronicles 12 describes to us the various fighting skills of the tribes of Israel. But the most unique weapon in that whole group of tribes is what? Does anyone here know? What is the most unique weapon in that group? The sons of Issachar, the tribe of Issachar. It's said in verse 32, 1232, it says, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. This is the gift that we need today. We need to understand the times and we need to know what to do. And I'm telling you, this year, what we need to do is we need to learn to fight. We need to learn to fight, and we need to understand that the weapons we hold and how powerful they are. And we need to come to this place where we sit down and be honest with ourselves and say, how does that belt of truth fit me right now? It's a little loose. I need to tighten that up. How about that breastplate of righteousness? How, how, you know, I need to adjust that a little bit. How about your shield of faith? Where's it at right now? Is it kind of over here to the side and you're getting hit? Or do you need to pull it right in front of you and just stand? How about that sword? How about your feet? How's all this stuff fitting? Just go down the list and ask God to help you figure this out and to tighten up these places. I'm telling you, the time is right now to fight. It's to fight. And I'm sure there are some in the crowd that say, you know, Pastor, I get it, but I really need a word of comfort right now, a 
what I really need is a feel-good word. I, I get that. There is a time and a season for words of comfort. But let me tell you something. Right now in this moment, think about this. Soothing words are not going to break the stranglehold on your addiction, on your emotions, on your loved ones, on your finances, the church, or even our country. Right? It's not. Soothing words are not going to do that. They're not going to break the hold that the enemy has. When, when, you, when, you, when you see, well, we had this dog. My dad did. His name was Boone. I don't, he wanted a guard dog, and he got one. Dog was St. Bernard and something. It was a monster dog. But my dad had this fenced-in area, was, and stuff was getting stolen. So he got this dog, Boone, and whoop. The only way, the only way you could talk to Boone was you had to be really, really forceful. If you said, Boone, come here, he'd tear your face off. And he was like, ah. But if you'd go, Boone, I mean, really lean into it, he would respond. So if you try to, come here, Boone. Hey, Boone, you're such a good little dog. Now, my chihuahua, she would melt right in front of you. Just lay down and just melt. But Boone, if you say, come here, Boone, he would, he would tear your other arm off. Not, that's not literally what happened, but... <laughs> He didn't respond that way. Somewhere he had been trained to just respond to a heavy direct command. You didn't hit him. You didn't touch him. You just say, boom, and he would stop, and then he would listen to the command. We're in that moment. We don't need soothe, kinding words. We need to bid firm. We need to lean into it. These feel-good sermons that people want to go to and listen to all the time, I'm telling you, they may tickle your ears, but they're powerless against the wolf that's knocking on your door. Few things in history, I think, are as awesome as a great leader or a general we read about who, who in this moment where they faced certain defeat, yet, yet somehow they find just the right words to ignite their troops to stand up and, and, and move into impossible victory. I love those stories. Winston Churchill, he was one of those guys. Man, there, we've seen him throughout history. If you've ever studied history, there are people who stood up and gave these incredible speeches that just took people from this to, I can do this, right? And they leaned into it and they went for it. I think we're virtually at the same, we're at the same condition, the same place, it seems as if, as when the Jews were trying to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. We're kind of at that moment in our history. And, and, and they, they had forgot their God. And they, they had made all these covenants with paganism, all the stuff around, with the world. Does that sound familiar? I think the church, capital C church, has forgot their God. And we've gone out and made covenants with the world. It's not working, and it never will work. They were also fearful of the surrounding tribes that were around them because they knew that they didn't want to see a restored Israel. So the tribes, their enemy, was going to do everything they could to keep them from rebuilding Jerusalem, from putting the wall back up, right? But out of there arose a general. What was his name? Nehemiah. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. He's the kind of general. That's the kind of voice we need today. Listen to the speech that he gave these sheepish Jews. And these are words that we so desperately need today. Nehemiah 4, 14 and 16. I'm almost done. Here's Nehemiah walking around. He's looking at what he's got to work with. He said, I looked them over 
and rose up and said to the nobles and the officials and the other people, do not be afraid of the enemy. Earnestly remember the Lord and imprint him on your minds. Great and terrible. And they remembered. God, you read the history. God was powerful. He still is, but in their history, they had lost track of that. They had forgot how powerful God was. Then he says, and take from him courage. For what? To fight. To fight for your brethren, to fight for your brothers, to fight for your daughters, to fight for your wives, and to fight for your homes. Guys, it's time to fight. It's time to fight. It's time to fight the urge to want to flounder in your self-pity and waller in your, your stuff. It's time to get over it. Now, if you need specialized prayer, there are people who want to help you with that. I get that. But it's time to push past that. Amen? It's time to fight this spirit of apathy that just is rampant in the church today. This this thing that just says, I'm done. I don't want to, it's their thing. I'm not going to get involved. And you sit down and you watch the world go by. Apathy. Man. It's time to fight the pull of compromise. It's time to sit down and grab your big boy, big girl boots, put your feet in them really deep, pull them up, and stand up and get ready to walk out into whatever God has for you. Man, it's time to fight the images and the voices of dread that tell you or show you or talk to you and tell you you're helpless, you're nobody, you're nothing but a... Stop it. I'm telling you who you are. You are part of a royal priesthood. You are mighty men of valor. You're virtuous women of God. That's who you are. And God has called you out of the grave to get up for a reason, to fight, to help push back the darkness, to help set the captives free. It's time to fight for the power to break destructive habits, addictions, and bad relationships that have plagued you for years in your life. How many of you are tired of just recycling back through the same garbage? You reach a point, then you cycle back through it again. It's time to break that and get over that. Move on. It's time, I wrote here, to fight your schedule. What? Fight my schedule? Yes, it's time to fight your schedule and subdue it for the sake of the kingdom of God. You have a lot more free time than you think you do. Newt's hit on it a few times about tithing of our time or giving of our time. It's the new, it's the new monetary thing, time. You have more time than you think. Are you spending it wisely? You need to wrestle that schedule down and make it happen. And I wrote, finally, it's time to declare your fiery intention to see revival once again on this land. As a church, guys, we are facing probably the greatest darkness we've ever seen in our lifetime. We're facing it right now. And I believe that God is raising up a new believer and, and, and who's roaming the land. And these are believers who not only know their God, but they're known by God. I think it's time for us to come and settle that great question. I love it. If God be for us, who can be against us? It can't just be a bumper sticker. It can't just be something you stick on your mirror in your bathroom. It can't just be something on your refrigerator. We have to come to this place where it becomes such a core value to us. It's, it's irrevocably just embedded in our hearts. If God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing and no one. We must not be quiet. This is the time to stand up and be heard. Some of you 
I think, are in this place where you need to experience God's presence. You need to be able to stand in his presence, come out of your cave, and see his face. How many would like to experience that? Let's stand. I chose this song because it, it has a big part of my heart, but I want you to listen to the words. And if that's you, let this be the, the cry of your heart. Show me your face. And, and if that's you, I want you to be brave and bold. If you really want to step into God, show me your face, I really would like you to come forward because we would love to pray over you and pray for you. We cannot do this alone. We need God. could make it through the end if I could just see your face